Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So, how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io. Or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. All right, what's going on, Cryptocurrent crew? My name is Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent live. Richard, how you doing? This is my co-host Richard Carthon and we've got a great show for you today. Richard, what's going on? Doing well. I'm excited to be part of this Crypto Decrypted live show. As we go through this uh, week after week, we keep bringing you a lot of gems to unpack some really dope stuff for you. Um, this last week, um, these last two weeks have been pretty tough, um, especially this um, news that came out yesterday, which I'm going to dive into in a second. Overall, um, you know, I was looking for some good entry points um, and have found them. So um, even though the market's down, I'm happy in some different ways. But how about you? What uh, How are you doing so far? You know, normally I'd like to say that, you know, it's another beautiful day in crypto land here. But I got to tell you, um, with all the blood in these streets, it's a little bit hard to walk today. So um, I'm enjoying myself all the while. I mean, I, I like to stay optimistic. I'm playing in NFT land still. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff going on over there. But real quick before we dive in, Richard, what are you uh, dive, What are you getting into? Because I mean, you mentioned that you were looking for entry points. What did you find your way into? So um, I personally was looking at Solana. Um, I was looking at uh, an entry point um, right around 125 to 120. Um, was able to find it. And so um, even though it's there, I think it still might go down a little bit more. And if that happens, I'm probably going to scale in. Um, but um, I actually want to then drive into like my my current article of the week, um, which I think is very important. So for all of you who are keeping up to date in the international news, um, crypto markets lost almost $250 billion in value of news about Evergrande turmoil. Um, so for you who don't necessarily understand what is going on, so Evergrande is one of the top um, overseas investment companies in a lot of real estate. And so I am going to, I think I scrolled a little bit too far. Let me get up here a little bit more. But anyway, um, they deal with uh, real estate and they have a ton of liquidity that is due this Thursday. They have um, a couple of different people that they owe money. Um, payment is due Thursday. So in two days and they are in the hole. It's looking like they are going to default. Um, and if they happen to default um, and unable to pay their debt payers, it's going to spark a shop drop in Chinese real estate sector. Um, 
it's looking similar to what kind of happened in the 2008 financial crisis here in the U.S. Um, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes. And this is a real world case of it. Now, because of that, um, even though it is affecting the regular equities market, we're starting to see it come into the crypto markets um, as people look like they need to have some liquidity ready. Um, they People have been taking profits and other people are also beginning to try to find some new entry points. At the exact same time that this happened, El Salvador bought more Bitcoin. So even though the price went down, uh, they were able to buy back in and get their cost basis for their Bitcoin um, lower. And what I think is amazing with all of this, and you know, not to get into too much of conspiracy and other stuff, um, I'll let Steve, when he talks about his articles, potentially talk more about this, but there is some market manipulation going on in the world of crypto. Unfortunately, because the market cap isn't necessarily where it needs to be to stop it from happening. Um, this will continue to be a thing. Um, I believe uh, Michael Saylor came out, basically said that until we get to a million dollar Bitcoin, volatility will probably always be within the crypto markets. And reason being is that big whales, big players uh, could always do just enough to drive down price to get entry points for friends or whoever that, that, that are asking for those things. And they're big enough to do those things. So. Again, volatility is always going to be a thing in crypto. You have to be prepared for it. You have to have a stomach, but you also have to have a plan. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. But I wanted to start the show with that. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to you, Steve. Like, What do you think this news ultimately is going to mean, not just in the world of crypto, but ultimately for what's going on in, in the world? I think there's a lot of, a lot of bigger stories at play here. Um, and to me, I'm a fan of conspiracy theory as much as the next person. Uh, but when I look at this, it's a reminder more so that this crypto market does not yet operate independently of the entirety of the global market, right? We have a lot of different things at play here. And it goes into the articles that we're going to cover next and talk a little bit more about the news that's going on closer to home. But we need to stay vigilant and you know remind ourselves that even if stuff is going on in Turkey, for example, or China, all around the world, each piece of news, if it's affecting a major market, it's going to affect crypto. Crypto is global. Um, that to me is the biggest message here. And I think that's why I want to make sure that as we go into this big episode today, where we're trying to talk about how to survive a flash crash, we need to all be more mindful of that, along with a number of other things. Um, so... Richard, before we move too far forward, um, is there anything else regarding Evergrande and China and the whole debacle that you've been reading that, I guess, on the conspiracy, conspiratorial side of things that you find particularly interesting that at least people should be keeping an eye on or staying mindful of? So it's that people knew about this for a while. It's not like all of a sudden... People who've been watching Evergrande didn't know that they kind of had all of this festering up. It's been very apparent. It's just because it's gotten so close to the due date for its debt that everyone now is freaking out and paying attention to it. Right now, it's going and, and adding that um, surreal, like, like shuck value moment. But the the timing of it, not not being relevant to crypto at all, but just in in general, is that it, it goes back to what is going on in the regular 
economy and, and not just the U.S., but in the global economy of how even though we were in a pandemic, most of the countries were shut down. A lot of people weren't necessarily working and everything else. Prices kept going up across the globe. Like something wasn't adding up. And as we look at real estate, that might be one of the first ones, almost like last time in the last financial uh, crisis that happened, real estate was the first thing to go. So it's just, it has a lot of inklings of what we saw almost over a decade ago. Um, I'm hopeful that they're able to catch it and, and figure it out and not let it get that bad. But this could be a first domino that starts making regular equity markets having to reconsider positions that they're in. And as that starts to happen, people may start looking to hedge against what's potentially coming in that market and looking at crypto. So again, that's why I'm still bullish with what's going on with with everything right now. Yeah, I think the one thing that I can add to this is very simple. When you have governments propping up business sectors the way that the US does with its own um, you know, Wall Street and the rest of um, industry across our country, you have this issue come up eventually. And we didn't see one thing happen during um, the COVID crash and as the country started to recover from quarantine. And that was commercial real estate in particular did not suffer terribly the way that everybody thought they would. Because again, when you're quarantining, we started this whole work from home thing, right? And it became very widely accepted and every single business out there was doing it. When you start seeing companies like Evergrande who develop not just residential, but they also develop commercial, lose track of their debt, it tells you something. It tells you that we have too much being developed and not enough um, demand meeting that supply. So in their case, they're in deep trouble. And some of that is going to come home to roost here in the US as well. Now, the other piece of this story that started to come out recently that you probably remember I mentioned in the last day or so um, was the fact that the Fed, specifically um, actually over the Treasury Department, Janet Yellen, is encouraging that we start to raise the debt ceiling. And I can't help but sit here and laugh my ass off because it's not like we even acknowledge that the debt ceiling is real anymore. There is no ceiling. We passed that years ago. So when we see that action going on, that's why you're seeing a broader market pullback. But what I'd like to do is shift gears a little bit here into some of the dumbest things I've heard lately. Because I think that that's something that we all need to keep in mind is that when things get really bad, people start saying really dumb stuff. And that to me is like, as much as we like to talk about top indicators in the market, this is an indicator to me that a correction is almost overdone or overshot when the media is focusing so much on inflammatory remarks and the dumb stuff that people like to say to get more media play. So let's pull up this screen real quick and we can dive into some of the best ones. Oh, where is it? There it is. So I don't know if you followed this, Richard, but the um, recep of Turkey, um, Erdogan, filed this report back in March, basically <laughs> sending the lira down further than it, uh, most fiat currencies can go. But at the immediate time, we saw Google searches for Bitcoin soaring. 
brings up this idea that as politicians continue to make inflammatory remarks against Bitcoin and crypto, Bitcoin tends to improve and do better. Well, Erdogan came back into the news yesterday and even the day before, making a statement saying that Turkey is officially in a war against Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So to quote the exact um, release, Erdogan said that they do not have a problem of opening up to crypto money, but on the contrary, they have a separate war and a struggle against them. He then went on to say, we will not give them such a pre premium, nor will we, because we will continue on our way with our money, which is our fundamental identity in this matter. Basically, you need to look at the subtext here. Number one, let's just go ahead with the stupid here and just out the stupid. You cannot win a war against Bitcoin. Erdogan is operating with fiat currency. That's what it is. Even if you were to release a central bank digital currency today in Turkey, it would not make a difference. Turkey is, is fighting a losing battle and a losing war. They will not find a way around that. But what they are saying here, and this is the thing that everybody needs to take away from it, is that they're not ruling out a digital lira. They are 100% on board with the future. They want to innovate. They want to push forward. So this is my advice to you. When you're hearing all of the stupid come out and it comes out in droves, when the stupid comes out, look for the subtext. What does it say? Because even here at home, we have stupid people. Have you heard of Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC? Richard, of course. Do, do you have any, I guess, favorite memories so far of Gary Gensler's time as the head of the SEC? <sighs> Man, the fact that he's like, they're going to go after crypto. Ultimately, they're going to go after crypto. So, mm -hmm. Look, there are so many moments that we've seen so far that this guy likes to come off as the pro-crypto advocate within the US government because again, he taught blockchain at MIT and good on Gary for that, you know? But the reality of Gary Gensler today is that he is doing the bidding of the banks. Plain and simple. Banks offer securities. He operates the Securities and Exchange Commission. So he's going to defend the banks at all costs. So he came out in an interview today and basically equated all stable coins to poker chips. And basically saying that we are currently operating in this wild west um, or wildcat crypto economy. And the quote that I really loved out of this interview that he did today was where he said, these stable coins are acting almost like poker chips at the casino right now. Basically, in this WAPO interview, he then said, without oversight, people will get hurt. So basically, Gary is saying the SEC needs to be big brother and needs to protect everybody. The problem is that everybody in crypto will tell you, we aren't asking for his help. It's not about help. It's about control and power. So long term here, we start getting into this discussion of, okay, then what does the SEC have authority to regulate? And again, what is defined as a security? Stable coins, Richard, as we discussed before the show, do not yield an ROI. That's one of the fundamental principles of a security. It has to yield a return on investment. So from your perspective, is there another side to this? Is there a case for stablecoin to be seen as a security? The only way I would look at it is, I mean, APYs, but even with APYs, you're getting, you're getting yield back 
for holding it. So that could be the only argument. But other than that, no, it's it's supposed to be it's holding to a stable currency of one. It's trying to be one. So therefore, how can it appreciate? Yep. And and look, that is the big question here. So let's go back to the dumb for a second here and let's try and get dumber. Gensler then went on to say, history tells us that private forms of money don't last long. He said, noting the U.S. experimented with private money in the wildcat banking era, era from the 1830s to the 1860s. This all had a lot of cost and a lot of problems. Okay, so let me be very on the nose here. Is that to say that they had the same type of technological advancement in the 1830s? Richard, I, like, this is the type of stuff that lights my fuse. I get, re- I mean, I, mean I, would, I would go on to quote Family Guy all day long. This really grinds my gears. But <laughs> when I see stuff like this come up, and I note in the back of my head, okay, Gary comes from an MIT blockchain background. Are you getting any type of other vibe here other than this dude is literally operating in the back pocket of the banks? So I was interviewing, um, shout out to Egan Yago with Sovereign, um, episode coming out real soon. And he made a really good analogy where you look at crypto and you're dealing with new age, new digital world where truly you have an endless amount of opportunity in this space but trying to bring old school dynamics to it. And when you're trying to do this giant land grab on what's not attainable, that is where the mix-up is happening right now. They're trying to use old age tactics on decentralization and and what's going on. And it doesn't align. And because of that, in not understanding how that kind of works, what he's saying saying sounds silly. Yeah. So let me get, get you one step further. We've talked about this a couple times across the last couple of weeks. And that's the the ongoing case of the SEC versus XRP, Ripple Labs, um, has found itself at a unique head point. And that comes out of this news article that was published just a couple days ago. Breaking. People close to Ripple say that while SEC um, versus Ripple has hurt its domestic business, its business is still thriving overseas. Further proof, the SEC government Um, sorry, the SEC governing office and crypto enforcement agenda is forcing innovation to occur outside the US. This story is developing. When they eventually got past this news breaking and when they developed the story further, XRP came out and said, we are not pursuing settlement. This is the single biggest deal that I have seen out of this case. And I followed it really, really closely up until this point. The reason that I'm getting caught up in this is by saying that they have no interest in pursuing further action, XRP and Ripple Labs is effectively saying, we have a good enough case right now that we feel that we're going to not only win, but we're going to embarrass you. And I cannot wait. Richard, there's so many implications out of this. The biggest one is just the fact that like we've talked about Coinbase in the last couple of weeks. The XRP team is basically saying to, to the SEC right now that they want to fight fire with fire. If the SEC is so gung-ho about getting legislation via litigation, Ripple's prepared to prove their point in court and get a favorable ruling for all of crypto, period. Do you think that's the take or is there something else in play? 
No, I think that's the play because you have a lot of these institutions. So Coinbase, who was going to do their lending side of things, they stepped back because the SEC called them out. And I think the smarter play of what they're doing is waiting to see what is, what's the fate of, of XRP? How is Ripple going to handle this? Because if slash potentially when they win, you best believe Coinbase and every other platform that was hesitant to do a lot of things that they were planning on doing are going to come out the woodworks and be like, let's go, right? Because it's all about just understanding the rules of engagement. And this case is going to explain the rules of engagement. So I think proactively with the SEC and him knowing that how things could go with Ripple, that it could open the floodgates, uh, that's what's starting to occur right now. They're trying to get in front of the narrative um, and, and trying to make the banks feel safe. Yep. So look, let me give you one final note on it is the other side of the coin here. Given that Gary is the most stubborn old man curmudgeon in crypto right now, there is one other side to it. Okay. If Ripple's coming out with this type of statement, they're also doing it to make sure that they're not showing weakness. There is no legal team out there in the world in their right mind that would tell you, oh yeah, we're looking for a settlement just outright, unless they're the ones litigating, right? If the SEC is the one in their position where they are litigating against, against XRP, they can come out based on rules of engagement and say that they are seeking a settlement right now. But that would mean that ultimately they lost. So to me, I see this as just posturing in a couple of ways in the back end here, but no legal team in their right mind will ever admit they're going to settle suit. But those are the two big things that we wanted to point out to you guys this week, that in these markets, that even turbulent as they may be, there's hope. There's a lot of stupid. There's, there's so stupid. much stupid, <laughs> but there's hope. Um, if you've looked at the markets today and you go up on CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap, your you know, preferred um, index of choice, you'll see that all coins have been down. They've been down across the last three days. The reason I'm pointing out the Ripple case in particular here is because I want you to notice that Ripple has gotten absolutely schmacked. Okay, I think that last I checked, they're down at 88 cents. They were up at $1.37 and their price has been suppressed throughout the entire cycle. This to me is just as much an indicator that we have people trying to suppress that price down further so that institutions can get better, better buy-ins. I'm calling it right now. If we see this market actually recover, which I believe it will, Ripple's going to go some, to some insane new highs. But that's going to wrap up what to watch for. Richard, before we dive into Crypto Decrypted this week, I want to make sure that I remind our audience to be sure to like and subscribe and engage with us here in chat. We really do want to make sure that you know um, that we are here for you, that we want to answer your questions. But also, by liking this video, you're telling us and the algorithm that you want to see more of this content. So do us that quick favor, subscribe, press the notification bell to make sure that you know every single time we come online here for Cryptocurrent Live. But let's forge ahead. Um, this week in our segment of Crypto Decrypted, we are going to dive into another thing that is really imperative for you to understand as we are in these bloodied markets and as you're trying to survive a, fla a flash crash. And that is how to basically take profit and also how to deal with FOMO in these types of times of opportunity if you decide to view it that way. So Richard, where do we get started here? So the place I want to get started first is the importance of 
taking profit. So a lot of people, again, uh, first I want to start it as a opportunity of understanding how you look at crypto. Do you look at crypto as a um, investment? And if you do look at it as an investment, um, what is your time horizon? Whether it's short, mid, or long, we're going to look at all of those. But no matter where you are in those time horizons, there are moments where you can strategically take profits. So for example, beginning of the year, everything was pretty much going up. So if you were had the opportunity to get into Bitcoin at 30,000, get into Ethereum before it was worth, um, when it was worth $1,200, $1,300, you're able to get in Solana when it was worth less, less than $10, et cetera, et cetera. And now you are at this moment. So at this point, you've been able to take, you, you, you've made some money. Now, there's probably a certain amount of money that you put into that initial investment. Let's say that you put in $1,000. So in the case of like a Solana, obviously, where you will actually we'll use Ethereum. Let's say you got in at $1,200. And um, Ethereum at this point in time is still worth, um, as of right now, I think like $2,900. It just went below $3,000. That means you've doubled your money. That means you have literally doubled your money. So one way that you could look at this moment in time or, or any of the moments, even when it got up to 4,000 is how do you get 25% of your initial? How do you get 50% of your initial? How do you get 75% of your initial? How do you get 100% of your initial money out? Because you know what happens at that point? The rest of the liquid coins that you hold is like playing with house money. So for any of you who are of age and have gambled in your life before, um, I personally like blackjack. And, um, or even if you go there to play the slot machines, right? You go in there, hopefully with a certain amount of money that you are willing to lose or invest in however you want to look at it, right? And if you go up at a certain point, and let's say that you go on with $100 and now you're up 150 As you know, if you start at the casino long enough, slim, I mean, very, very, very good chance you're going to leave with nothing. You're probably going to lose it all, if not half, whatever it is, you're probably not going to keep the peak of what you put in there. So the way I look at it and the way I try to approach it, even when I do go gamble, is I go in with a certain amount, I have a certain goal of something that I want to hit. And after I get that amount of money, it's like mentally starting over. And now here's my finite scarcity supply. If I run out of this or if I double it, I do whatever I'll consider putting in or um, taking profit from that. But regardless, I'm at least leaving with what I came with and I'm leaving with profit that I wanted to make. And then everything else is just a level of scale. All that to say is that in these moments where the price has gone back down um, and you're seeing prices at all-time highs, it's imperative to take some profit so that you, you are never going to be as angry with yourself for losing money when you had it. So like not actualizing profit, then saying, I sold too early. If you sold too early, you still made your money, you still got your money out and it was relevant for you in that moment. You can live with that. But to, and, and again, unless you have a, a longer time horizon, and even if you do, if you, even if you do have a longer time horizon, if you are able to take out whatever your 25%, 50%, 75%, 100% of your initial investment and you got that money back, 
why not let the rest of the coins ride? If, if you want to find another entry point, so now you can take some of that profit, the profit that you just made and you find a lower entry point, now you can go back in and ride it back up. If you are still bullish on it, that means you're able to take some of that money, get out your initials, so have some money left over, and then put it back in at a lower entry point and ride it back up, make more money, rinse, repeat, because we're in a volatile place. Again, that might be more of a trading strategy over a investment strategy. The point is, is that as you are starting to get more and more comfortable in crypto, start putting together a take profit mindset and understanding levels at which you can actualize and get some of the money that you put in out so that, again, you are in a, in a, in a solid spot. Um, but Steve, I know with that, there's, there's a lot of things that we can unpack with that. Um, what are some initial thoughts that you have on what I kind of unpacked? Yeah, the big one that I want to get into, Rich, is that this entire discussion about profit-taking, it has to be seen from this lens of ROI in the now versus ROI missed out on, right? At this right. stage of the game, guys, if you've been following along with what we've been doing here on CryptoCurrent Live and even on Clubhouse the last couple of months, we've brought up taking profit a number of times. But it's a question of, okay, have you actually done it? Because the other side of this coin is that we need to not just be taking profit, but we need to be buying the dip, right? So right. as I look at this and I'm sitting here evaluating my own profit-taking strategy, I am sitting here saying not, God damn it, I just missed out on a whole bunch of profit because the market just dipped off. I'm saying to myself, typically, okay, I took profit prior to the market dipping, which means that I should have this war chest ready to go to deploy more stable coins into the market, what can I get into? What is the ROI by percentage of what I put in right now? And how can I apply that once I've taken profit to the market given the right opportunities? So that's what I like to focus on out of this. Do you have any other, I guess, take on the ROI that you can see so that you're not getting too much into FOMO? Definitely. So. I personally am a long-term thinker, right? So I, I'm looking at the next three to 10 years as I build my crypto portfolio and, and doing this and uh, building out my crypto portfolio. But it doesn't mean along the way that I'm not going to actualize some of those profits. It's, it's like, if you looked at this like as a VC, right? let's say that you have a portfolio of 10 coins that you want to get into. And again, if you want to uh, spread them out and, and weight them differently, by all means. But in this scenario, everyone's weighted the same. So you find 10 cryptos, you have um, $1,000. So you're going to give each of those $100. So how do you continue to find good projects and make sure that as you make some of that money, so you get, let's say within your 10 portfolio, you're able to get to your 1000 It's now worth 1200 bucks. Do you let it just keep going? Or and for some of your projects that you got into that might not be as performing as well, do you take some profits or potential losses on that to then throw gas on another project that's doing well? As you continue to analyze where you are in, in current markets, by actualizing some of that profit, it gives you opportunity to get into other projects early. Because liquidity is the biggest challenge with anyone. Everyone has a finite amount of money that they can put into the market at any given time. And so by, able to, by being able to put your money into the market, seeing some profits, but then also 
being able to take out some of those profits so you have liquidity to find other projects to get back into when FOMO happens, um, aka the market's at, at this level. Uh, luckily, I still got some money. I wish I could have got in. Um, at, I've learned about this cool project named Solana. Right now, it's worth $200. Literally, a week, two weeks ago, it got up to $200. I was like, man, I wish I could find a way to get in. Well, what do you know? Liquidity happens. I was like, if this thing strikes at 120, I'm jumping all over it. It got to 119 today, and I jumped all over it because luckily I, I took some profit. I looked for an entry point back for a product that I really wanted to get even more coins in. And when it happened, I jumped all over it. But it was because I had the 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 idea of new other projects that I want to get into, but um, being able to produce the liquidity that I needed by taking some profits and then finding an entry point so that as the market eventually when it recovers and goes wherever I think it potentially can go, I was ready for that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, what you're getting into there is the idea that you have to stay plugged in, right? There is no way to be in crypto because it is a 24-7, 365 you know, operating market as opposed to you know, the stock exchange, which operates five days a week in selective hours. In crypto, you have to stay plugged in. So yeah. let, me, let me give you another side of the coin. Again, because I love doing this right now. <laughs> you, were t- you were talking about Solana. Okay, that's a large cap, right? Typically speaking, most of the large caps won't see that type of movement. It's unique, right? As you try to stay more plugged into crypto, you should be building up your watch lists. So in my case, I have a watch list that's probably 30 coins deep. Yes, a fair few of them are what we would consider DGEN casino plays. So I'm talking about the upcoming projects that are going to be on Polkadot or Cardano or even Solana in some cases, if you you want to go behind a completely centralized project. The point that I'm getting at there without getting too petty about Solana is that when you look at those projects, they go parabolic out the gate, right? You have great examples in the Cardano ecosystem. You look at Charlie 3. You look at Giro Wallet. Both of these projects on release shot through the moon. But yet in the months after you saw them decline and you saw them typically retrace somewhere to the tune of 75 to 90%. That is not a testament against the project. That is a testament to the hype in the market. Where I like to go from there is I like to keep those projects that have really sound fundamentals on my radar so that when these times come and we see those massive pullbacks in the market, I can make my move in and continue to build my token war chest. So right now, where the market sits, I want to move into a really interesting quick study, Richard. So, And, and real quick, Steve, right, right before you do that, something I want to add to that as well. The reason why you see that those shoot-ups and then you see the retracement, a lot of these are ICOs. So you have these people who are in it who get their initial coins out and they have a, usually a lockup period. So what a lot of them will do is after a certain amount of time, they will actualize some of those profits to try to make their initial investment out. And that's when you see it kind of come out... Uh, go back down and stable out and then it goes back up. So keeping that in mind too, you got to realize there will be a point where a lot of these people who got in early are going to take some profits. So if you can find some initial thresholds to get some of that too for yourself and then once that moment happens and it goes down, that's a great time to buy back in and ride it back up. So just wanted to add that. Yeah, no, it's a really good point, Rich. So let's dive into this real quick and we can take this um, just for a couple minutes here and just go through this example. 
given what we just went over, and let's say that you did take profit. Richard, based on what we just went through in terms of not FOMOing in and looking at the opportunity that's in front of us, just in the top 12, what stands out to you? Give me two coins and they cannot be Solana. So easy, Bitcoin. I mean, all the way up to 50 again, actually 52. And then we saw the flash crash uh, last Monday. So um, it's already down 12 grand. Um, you look at Ethereum, Ethereum's down quite a bit, got all the way up to, I think, 37 or so. It's down 10 grand or, um, sorry, $1,000. Um, even Cardano, Cardano got close to $3. It's back down to sub two, even with um, the announcement of um, Alonzo. It, it launching of Alonzo and having its smart contracts there. So there, there are buying opportunities all over this market right now. I mean, look at Polkadot. Polkadot got all the way up to, I believe, 35. It's back down to 26. There are so many. Yep. And that's the bigger message here. So when I'm evaluating opportunity and I don't want to be FOMOing and I want to time it right and use some of those profits that I took to apply it to my next big play, I will then be looking at the seven-day column, especially immediately after a pullback. So what I will then start saying is, okay, we've got some plays that are up near 30%. Yes, Solana, to Richard's point, is back down 25% from its um, place where it was a week ago. Polkadot's down. XRP is down 87 cents. I would buy the crap out of that. And that's not financial advice. Um, I'm saying that that is my opinion as your crypto commentator. I would do that because I've done my research. So... Better opportunities, you can, again, on any of these platforms, sort by your seven-day. So as I click the seven-day here, I pull up our biggest losers on the seven-day. And I start seeing, okay, where do the biggest opportunities exist in projects that have really, really great fundamentals? Well, right here in the top five in terms of the biggest losers across the last week, you have a couple really great options. The ones that I particularly am fond of are Tezos, Terra, and Arweave. So you're saying that ultimately these projects will recover with the market and actually have an even bigger um, amount of room to run when that recovery takes place. So you could theoretically make that 30% back pretty quickly, especially if, it, if this is, in theory, just a flash crash. But I want to scroll down for a second because I want to point out a couple of these coins that, in my opinion, have really unique opportunity. First of which is Phantom, right here at the top. I personally believe that we have a lot going on within the ecosystems. There are you know, other players out there that have been deemed Ethereum killers. I don't believe they're Ethereum killers. I think that they're all going to cooperate over time. But Phantom is one of those ecosystems that got hit hardest. So I personally would see that as a huge opportunity worth looking into. You've also got Elrond, another ecosystem play. But as we scroll down here, we also get to Osmosis. Osmosis is one of the ecosystems, not an ecosystem, sorry, a DEX operating on a rising ecosystem. That ecosystem is Cosmos. So as time goes on, you'll start to pick these up a little bit better. But you even have NFT plays like Chili's that are absolutely down from their all-time highs, but even the highs that they restored during this recent run-up. It's about identification. It's about understanding, okay, where does the opportunity exist? How can I get in? And how can I maintain the liquidity level that I have 
flexibility to jump into these projects that have opportunity. Richard, outside of that, what exactly do you look for? Is there anything else that you would be keying in on if you're looking at, not at, but for the right opportunities? Yeah, and this one kind of goes more into technical analysis. So um, in a future uh, show that we do, I'll bring up, um, I use TradingView just to look at some of the different levels of resistance, historical stuff, et cetera, and just seeing how are we retracing and looking at these moments. There's usually these um, these cycles that cryptos will, will go through. And I'll just use Tezos because I watch it pretty, pretty rapidly. So you've seen Tezos go from uh, $3 all the way up to $7 plus back down to $3, back up to almost $7, back down to 4 So we know that that channel that it's in of support and resistance is basically $7 down to um, $3. So if you are doing you know, shorter term trading, then you know that you, there are moments in there that you can buy in, take profits, et cetera, and still keep some of your back for the long-term side of things. But I look for stuff like that. And again, it's more of a technical analysis piece. Um, and also just look at roadmap. Um, are there any big pieces of the roadmap that um, the, the, plat- or the platform or the crypto that I'm looking into that should be launching soon? And then I just go on their socials and see like, are they still on track? And if the answer is yes, then I know that there's going to be probably a run up right before that, um, that milestone is hit. So those are some of the things that I look at. Okay. Well... Look, I think that does it for our uh, Crypto Decrypted segment this week on profit-taking and FOMO and how you can capitalize on the right opportunities. So guys, again, if you enjoyed that segment or you found value in it, do us a favor, press that like button, let us know so we can continue making that type of content for you. But otherwise, do us also another big favor and make sure that you're following us on social media. Cryptocurrent is here not only through um, the, the YouTube channel, but also through our podcast and all of our social platforms to make sure that we're giving you the most up-to-date information, but also these types of um, base, la- base layer insights so that you can understand crypto at a little bit easier of a level. So right now, Richard, we're going to move on to our favorite segment from our Tuesday show, Blockchain Bets, where we give you three picks in three different price areas that we like to see um, as the big gainer on the next week or our prediction for the next week. So we, go, we start out with our large cap pick, which is the top 25 coins in terms of market cap. Then we move into our mid cap round where we're talking about coins 25 through 100. And then our micro cap round where we're talking about coins from 100 on down to 300. So Richard, why don't you start us off this week? What is your pick for the large cap that you've got in mind? I talked about a lot today. My large cap is Solana. Um, Solana... Uh, has dropped down significantly at entry price. I think a lot of people are looking for it. It's a lot of support um, around the area. I talked about earlier about 119, 120. Um, and as the market hopefully corrects and goes back in the same direction, I think we could see Solana get back to its all-time high pretty soon. So that's going to be my pick. What is your pick, pick for this week? It's a good pick. My pick this week is going to be Terra Luna. Um, I've made this pick one other time in the past, but it wasn't in recent weeks. The reason that I'm going with Terra in particular this week is it was just starting to get off to a run. It was just starting to pick up speed. And because it got hit when it did, to me, I think we're starting to see more of this. And again, this is a TA term for those that are new, ignore it. But I'm starting to see a cup and handle form. And to me, a cup and handle is always a bullish momentum signal. And I personally think that Terra has a lot of legs to go a lot higher in this cycle. 
But let's pass it over to you for your mid cap. What do you have in mind for your mid cap this week? So my mid cap is going to be Kasama. Um, and the reason I'm going with KSM is um, between their pair chains and everything else that they have going on, there is a lot of momentum growing with them. And they're finally about to start launching even more um, projects on top of their uh, ecosystem. And they've had a rough week. So typically when that happens, people, are, again, are looking for entry points. I think it's at a pretty solid entry point. So I think in this next week, we could see it um, take off. So I mentioned my mid cap earlier. And again, you're going to see a lot of this repetition throughout this episode. Um, but it's because we cannot impress upon these points enough for you guys. Some of these coins that got hit the hardest in the last two or three days are, have some of the best opportunities out there. So that's why you're hearing them repeated. My mid cap this week is Phantom, FTM. Reason being, they currently have the most large government infrastructure buy-ins of any ecosystem play out there. In my world, people are building on it. I'm seeing the momentum occur. It has had a run up, but because of the losses that they posted, it's looking to recover a lot stronger. So I would keep my eye on Phantom for sure. There is opportunity right around the corner. Richard, for our last picks this week, again, in micro caps, um, these are the highest risk, the most degenerate gambling plays. Again, degen casino type stuff. What are you encouraging people to have a look at and do some research on this week within microcaps? So my pick this week is one I've not picked before. It is Mobify. So what they're ultimately trying to do um, within their model is uh, the next-gen mobility as a service. So they are giving a multi-model transport. So whether you're in a car, bicycle, um, airplane, what have you, you could basically use their tokens uh, as a way to... Um, travel and because you are using those tokens to like build the ecosystem, you get rewards um, and a, a ton of other things. So trying to stay green with the way that you are able to um, go across different platforms through mobility. So um, again, another one that got hit pretty hard, but it's been having very very solid runs up in the previous weeks um, past. So I'm gonna go ahead and move forward with Mobify. Awesome. Well, look. You did something that you've never done today by calling Mobify. I'm going to do something that we've never done on this show before and decide to throw a complete curveball. My pick this week is not a coin at all. Instead, it is a non-fungible token. My <laughs> call this week is going for the Doge Pound. I'm, of course, not talking about Dogecoin, but instead the NFT project that's literally called the Doge Pound. Here's my reasoning. You can find returns anywhere within cryptocurrency. That's a reality. Yes, you can also lose your ass. But the truth is that there's a ton of opportunity right now in the marketplace. And when you look at NFTs, there are no quicker returns. I saw something really unique happen over the weekend in terms of announcements out of some of these projects and the Doge Pound led the way. The Doge Pound announced over the weekend that they are officially going to be utilizing their token, their, their NFT, as a key or an access pass into the very first ever NFT launchpad that's being hosted by an NFT project. This is insane in a lot of different ways because it's starting to become the way around the pre-sales and the whitelists to give existing customers and existing holders access to the newest, hottest NFT plays. So I personally think this is giving the Doge Pound a ton of upside but also will give you a huge gateway 
to brand new projects that you can invest in should you decide to get into it for the long term. But that's going to wrap up our blockchain bet segment for this week. Richard, I think you made a lot of great picks. You chose Solana, Kusama, and Mobify. And I brought you Terra Luna, Phantom, and the Doge Pound. Um, hopefully, we can see a lot of gains out of all of them. But I would love to not only get those gains, but crush you in terms of the ROI that my <laughs> coins receive. Good luck. Um, oh, I, I don't need luck, my friend. I've, I've only got TA on my side. But guys... <laughs> Before we wrap this one up, we want to give you a couple final reminders and announcements before we uh, call it a day. First of which are the upcoming crypto events that are happening across the cryptoverse in the coming week. The first of which is Cardano Summit, which is taking place from September 25th to the 26th. They do have in-person events around the world. So go and check out Cardano Summit, Saints.io, um, to see what um, the locale hubs are. But they're also doing a lot of events online around um, what is possible on Cardano. And they've got a lot of great keynote speakers. The next thing, which I personally think is one of the most interesting developments within crypto right now, is coming on September 30th. And that is Cody Smart Contracts are set to launch. Cody is one of the bigger um, payment gateways effectively within crypto. And the fact that they're bringing their own smart contracts out is really, really interesting because I'm not sure that many players that have entered the way that Cody has has ever launched smart contracts. That's going to be really fun to watch. But also, ThorChain is set to upgrade their mainnet on September 30th. So that is your crypto events upcoming. But also, please do us a favor. Go check out some of our big episodes that have just recently dropped and are upcoming. Um, for example, Russell LaCour from Tantra Labs was on the podcast yesterday. And also, upcoming later this week, we have Cryptogenic from Sync Network. Richard, did you have any highlights from either of these interviews that you think um, would encourage one of our fine members of our audience to actually go and check out these interviews? These last two people were some of the sharpest people I've ever met. Uh, Russell was a repeat guest. Um, he's actually the one who um, has encouraged that I look more into both uh, Solana and Luna. And I have in man, those ecosystems make a lot of sense to me. Um, as well, as there's a lot of just other opportunity that is out there. So um, recommend checking that out. And then what's coming up with Cryptogenic? Oh my gosh, Sync Network and what they're building. You have crypto bonds. Um, I am probably going to make one myself. And they have this really cool NFT play they got going on. It's, it's nuts. Uh, I hope you go and check it out. But just know Sync Network is one personally going to be watching very closely because they have a really, really cool ecosystem and a really exclusive Discord channel able to, to join it. Awesome. Well, look, guys, just a couple of last reminders before we go. Remember, you can join our Telegram channel. We just flashed that up on the screen uh, by just getting in touch with either me or Richard. It's a private Telegram channel that we have for anybody that follows us here on YouTube or on Clubhouse. So you can join our conversation, ask questions in real time and get feedback. But also, again, I know I say it a lot on this show. But remember to like and subscribe and bop the bell for new content alerts. We put out new content. As the banner above says every Monday and Thursday with uh, Richard's interviews, and then also live here on YouTube at 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday and Friday. But lastly, of course, we also put out great content on crypto-current.co, our website where we put out um, great new blog articles Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We also have our newsletter where we aggregate news for our um, subscribers. So if you want to get on our newsletter, go up to crypto-current.co. But otherwise, it's been another great edition of Cryptocurrent Live. I will see you Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition. But Richard, 
We'll see you on Thursday. So again, thank you guys for stopping in. Have a great week and be sure to stay Cryptocurrent. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Cassius Octavius 15. I had an awesome experience as a guest on the show and Richard is a wonderful guy. Well organized, great content. I highly recommend the show. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.